Well, this morning, it's a pleasure to be here with you, and I am appreciative of Pastor Mercer of giving me an opportunity to share with you today and open up God's Word with you. And um, as, we, uh, as we get into the message today, I want to kind of share with you a little bit about this message. I started um, sharing with Pastor Mercer, Pastor Rick, some of our other pastors, um, a little bit about my story and my background and some things uh, that I'd faced when I was younger. And so uh, today, as, uh, as they kind of, as, as Pastor Charlie warned you guys a little bit in the beginning, today is going to be a very heavy topic. Um, it's going to be a very difficult one. And so we just wanted to kind of give warning for those that might have kids in here, um, just because today in this message, it, it's, uh, it's a very hard one for me to talk about, but I also believe that it's a really important story um, to share with what God has done in my life. And so the title of my message today is On Your Darkest Day. On Your Darkest Day. There is nothing more certain in this life than trials and tragedy and pain and suffering. And there are things in this life that make us question and ask, why of God? There is disease, there is disappointment, there is death, and we call out to God and we say, why do these things happen, God? And I've been there in my life and I've said, why has this happened to me? And some of you have said, why him, why her, why this person, why that person? And there's a lot of people in this world that don't want to have a relationship with God, that don't believe in God, because they say, if there is an all-loving, all-powerful God, then why does he allow suffering? Why does he allow pain? And so, so a lot of times, the, the people are deterred by the gospel because of suffering and pain and trials and tragedy. And so how do we respond on our darkest days? That's what we're going to discuss today. If you have your Bibles, if you can turn with me to James chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 2. James chapter 1, verse 2. Now, to let you know what's happening in this passage, as James is writing this to these believers in the early church, there was a dispersion that happened in the early church, and many believers were in different parts, um, and there was, uh, there was a lot of persecution that was rising up in the church. And so James is writing this to the church, giving them a warning, if you will, and encouraging them when they face different trials or when they face persecution or tragedy. And here's what James 1, 2 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Now, I know probably a lot of us in this room have heard this verse before. You've heard it say, consider it all joy when you face trials. Verse 2 is a very familiar passage. And a lot of times, if we just read over this passage, we, maybe it doesn't really hit us that hard. But listen, on your darkest day, in the midst of tragedy, pain, suffering, this is an extremely difficult verse. This is a very hard verse to take in when you are going through tragedy, pain, darkness in your life. This is very hard for us to count it joy when we are facing difficult times. And I'll share with you in my life the darkest day that I had. But before I do that, I just want to open up and I just want to pray one more time. And I'm going to ask you, um, I'm going to ask you to just pray for me also during this, during this message because this is, this is very very difficult to share with you guys, but um, so pray for me, and let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, 
God, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for hope. God, we thank you for grace, Lord. God, I, I just pray, Lord, that you just speak this message today, Lord. And I know that there's someone out here that needs to hear this story. I know there's someone that needs to be encouraged in this place today, God. So I pray you speak, God. I pray you give me boldness. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through my story, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a timeline to kind of tell you exactly where we end up on my darkest day. But starting off, I'll tell you a little bit about my family. If you've heard me preach before, you know that I have a very large family, and I'm going to show you a picture of my family, tell you a little bit about us. And so here's my, my family. There's five of us siblings. You got Leslie, and you got Jim, and then you got Josh, Jeremy, Jonathan, Kristen, and Katrina. Large family, and my parents were two of the most godly parents that you would know. I mean, they taught me how to love Jesus. They taught me about the Bible. They discipled me. They poured into my life. Now, some of you guys are probably a little bit distracted because you're like, what are they wearing in this picture? I'll give you guys a little fun fact about the good family. We, when, when we were younger, we were on a television show called the Christie uh, Series, and so this was on the set, so I pulled this off my computer, but this is my family, and so specifically my mom. Let me tell you about my mom. My mom is this, she was this loving person who loved Jesus. If you want to know what an example of a godly woman would be, I would point people to my mom. She would, uh, she would lead worship. She had her guitar, and she would sing in church. Uh, she would do devotions with us kids. She loved Jesus. And so it was an incredible home to grow up in. And as I got older, I learned more about Christ. And uh, when I was in student ministry, I went on a mission trip. And while I was on this mission trip, God began to work in my heart. And I believe that God was, was saying, Jeremy, it's time for you. When you get older, you're going to be in ministry. And so I believe that God set me apart for ministry. And God says, you know, you are going to be uh, preaching the gospel. You're going to be equipping the saints. And so when I went to college, I was like head in. I was going that direction. I went to Liberty University, and I was studying in youth ministry and religion. And I was like, God... I am yours, use me. And while I was in college, God began to just work in my faith. And God began to just do something in me while I was at Liberty. And I strengthened my faith and doing incredible things. But while at home, back at home, um, some things were happening in my family. And um, specifically, it was my mom. She, uh, she began to develop a pain in her body. And she described this pain as 10 times worse than childbirth. Now, this is a lady who has had five children, so she knows the pain of childbirth, right? And so she described this pain that she would have 24-7, just pain in her body. And I remember when I would be at home that I would hear her just screaming out in the night and in pain. And so she was in just this a horrible place of suffering and pain. And so my dad... My dad tried to figure out what, what was going on here. For, so for years, my dad would take my mom to doctor after doctor and try to figure out what was going on with my mom. They would go to churches and people would pray over her. We would pray over her all the time. And it was like nothing was happening and the pain just intensified. And for me, I was away at college, so I wasn't always in the midst of it. I was a little bit of away from it, and so I didn't deal with it as much. But at college, for me, everything was going great. God was continuing to work in my life. And the summer of 2007 came, an incredible summer. 
I interned at a summer camp where we were doing missions in the mountains of Kentucky. There was um, an area that was very poor in the Appalachian Mountains, and so we were working with kids in that area. We were doing day camps. We were going to nursing homes. And let me tell you, it was an incredible month of the June. The whole June was this, while we were up there, we were just serving the Lord, serving Jesus, and God was working. And I was, I mean, I, mean, I was just loving, worshiping every night, serving the Lord, and, and just reaching people with the gospel, and God was working in my life that beginning of that summer. And while I was at this camp, I, was, uh, I had been praying that whole year. I was 21, so I'd been praying that God would give me uh, a special lady in my life, that I was praying that there would be someone for me. And so uh, while I was praying for that, um, God uh, set it up where I was able to meet this, this girl at this camp. Her name was Stephanie. And uh, me and Stephanie got to know each other. And we got to uh, build a relationship as friends while we were at this camp. She was on staff. I was on staff. We were serving Jesus together. And then after, after uh, camp was over, after that month was over, we came back to Tennessee. And she lived in Knoxville. I lived in this place called Maryville. And uh, we, we went on a couple dates. And then on July 1st, 2007, all this timeline is going to make sense. July 1st, 2007, I asked Stephanie out. I asked her to be my girlfriend, and she said yes, and so it was official, and got on Facebook, made it really official, and so I was just, I mean, I was just like at this high moment of my life, like God was just doing things for me, like it was amazing, like serving the Lord, I got the girl, like everything was going good. That was July 1st, 2007. Two days later, July 3rd, 2007, my darkest day. Um, I'm, I'm going to share this with you, and I'm going to share this in a very real way. I'm, I'm going to um, share this in a very vulnerable way, and I'm not going to be vague about what happened here uh, because I want you to know exactly the pain and the suffering and not have all these questions. And so I'm going to share with you exactly what happened on July 3rd, uh, 2007. And so I was, uh, I was in my, uh, my house in Tennessee, and I was, I, was in, uh, I was in my bedroom, and I was sleeping, and I was awakened by my sister. She comes running into my room, and she's screaming. She said, Jeremy, you've got to get up. You've got to get up. Dad needs you in the barn. Hurry up. And so I jumped out of bed, and I run as fast as I can down into the barn. And what I saw in that moment is something that no child should ever see Something that when I close my eyes, I still see the images of it, but my mom had hung herself in our barn. And so in that moment, in that pain, I'm, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to react. And so I, I go and I, I, my, dad tells, my, my dad is trying to lift my mom up and I untie her and we bring her down to the ground. And my dad begins to try to resuscitate my mother, but nothing was happening and so I go, and I, I go and I scoop her up into my arms, and I begin to run with my mother to our car, and my 14-year-old sister is sitting there in the field just kind of like, and I run and I place my mother in our vehicle, and my dad comes and he, he jumps in the car, and they take off to the hospital, and me and my sister are left just looking at each other like, what, what do we do? And so we get in the car, me and her, and we drive to the hospital, my other siblings were away. One of my brothers was spending the night at a friend's house, and so he's 17. He comes over. We call him, John, you got to get over here. And he comes over, and we arrive at the hospital, and we're just like praying, and we're just scared. And the doctor comes out and says that your mom has died. 
And in that moment and in that time and in that pain, you just don't know how to respond. You don't know how to prepare yourself for that type of tragedy and in that pain. And, and so me and my family, were, we were just broken in that time. And here's what happens. Listen, here's what happens when you face trials or tragedy. There's two things that happens. One of those things is people blame God. They push God away and they say, how can this, how could God let this happen? And they push God and say, I don't want anything to do with this God. And the other thing that happens is drawing closer to God. Now let's talk about this blaming God for a moment. You know, for me, the questions of why, like I talked about in the beginning, started coming to my mind. Like, why, God? Why would you let this happen? And, and it's almost like originally it's this bitterness in your heart. Like, here I am thinking, and I, and I brought you through that whole story to show you. Like, here I was thinking, God, I am serving you. Like, God, I've been serving you all summer. God, my life is dedicated to being a pastor to serve you. How could you let this happen to me? God, I've been telling people about the gospel. God, I've been, I've been sharing with people about your good news, and then you just rip my mom out of my life. Why does this happen to me, God? Why is it that my mom will never go to my college graduation? She'll never see my wedding. She'll never see my grandkids. Why, God? Why is it that I had to see specifically? Why did I have to see what I had to see, God? And so the questions of why begin to come up in our lives. And it's so difficult. And in James 1-2, this is why James 1-2 is just so real. Look at James 1-2 again. Consider it all joy. Listen to my perspective. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when your mother commits suicide. God, how can I? Maybe it would be one thing if it's like get through it. But consider it joy, God. It's not just me, it's many of you in this room, there's many of us, how can we consider things, trials and tragedy and pain, joy? How can we consider it joy? Listen, when we go through all of these different things in life, when we go through depression or loss of a loved one or divorce or bankruptcy or losing your job or however many different trials we have, how can we count it all joy? And what people do is they just say, God, no, you're the reason. I'm blaming you, God. I'm going to encourage you this morning. Listen, if you have gone through something in your past, or if you're going through something, the last thing you want to do is push God away. The last thing you want to do is to blame God because what will happen is the pain will intensify, the bitterness will intensify, your life will become more miserable. One of the greatest things that you can do is draw closer to God. Because I will tell you, as someone who went through... A horrible situation is this. There is no way I could have got through this pain, this tragedy, this suffering if I didn't have my anchor in Jesus Christ. There's no way. And so although the wives were natural, although I started, why God, why God? God started doing something in my life. God started working in my faith. I believe that I'm not the man that I am today. If it wasn't for what God did in that situation... And so I started drawing closer to God, and God started working. God started moving in my life. At my mom's funeral, there were, there were a thousand people that came to my mom's funeral. And I got up on stage, and I began to preach the gospel. I began to tell people about the hope that we have in Jesus, and God started using that. And so God started working in the midst of that pain. And so I, I, I specifically 
Like when I think about what I went through and the pain and the tragedy, I think about Isaiah 43. Look at Isaiah 43, verse 2 through 3 says this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You see, on the other side of the darkest day, I'm I'm looking now and saying, wow, God, you were with me through it all. God, you were with me through that pain. God, you were with me through that tragedy in my life. And so I know that God was walking beside me, even though it was difficult, even though it was hard, in the midst of that pain on the darkest day, God worked in my life. If you go look at James 1-2 when it says, knowing about the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and completing and lacking nothing. Through that trial, through that tragedy, through the heartbreak, I believe God worked and God produced so much endurance in my life. I want to share with you some of the incredible things that happened. You know, when you're in the midst of the darkest day, it's really hard to see what God is working and what God is doing. But on the other side of it, this is 10 years later, on the other side of it, man, I can look back and I'm like, wow, God. The day that it happened, remember, I was dating this girl, Stephanie, two days. So I text Stephanie, I say, hey, mom committed suicide. Text her that. And so she she didn't even really know where my house was. So she calls a friend, what should I do? And they said, just go on over there. So she comes over and she sits down on the swing next to me. And I vividly remember her sitting down beside me. And I turned to her and I said, you can just break up with me now if you want. You can just be done with me. In my mind, I'm thinking, you date someone and then two days later, their mom takes their own life. And I'm like, you know what? You can just be done with me now. You know what ended up happening? Stephanie is my wife. The incredible thing is that, you know, in that moment, I'm like, I'm like, why, 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 God, I don't understand. But you know what God did? God took a woman out of my life that was a godly woman that I loved, and God replaced her with another godly woman that I love. And now, like, I'm looking back, and I'm like, wow, God, like, you know, in times where, if you've ever gone through where you're, like, wanting to date someone, or you're praying, God, send me this person in my life, and you're like, why can't I have them? Why? Like, there were times I prayed, like, maybe this person, God. God's like, no. And God had the perf- this person for me in this time of need, this person to walk through this journey with me. And so I'm like, wow, God. Wow, you are incredible. I think about how God has given me a voice to speak into hopeless situations. As a pastor, there are so many times where God has used me to speak to people that are hurting, people that are broken, speak at funerals, speak to students as a student pastor, to speak to students whose parents had died or, or different ones' parents were sick. I remember specifically one example. There was a, a student, he was at our Super Bowl party with us hanging out, and he goes home and he finds that his dad had shot his dad's um, girlfriend, shot his girlfriend's son and himself. And this, and this student was just broken, and I was able to walk through that process with that student. I shared my story one time, and uh, this lady come, came to me two years later after I shared it, and she said, Jeremy, I've got to share this with you. She said, when you were sharing your story that week, I was very seriously thinking I was going to take my own life. 
And she was like, but then I started thinking about the perspective from the child. And I'm alive today because I was thinking about the story and the kids. So I'm like, wow, God, you are good. God has showed me in so many ways all of these blessings that he's done. God had given me a mother for 21 years that led me to Jesus. And so I look back, and in the darkest day, it's hard to see it. But when you look back, you can see that God's hand was all over my life. And God is still using it. And God is still working. And I want to encourage you today. In the midst of your darkest day, listen, some of you in this room, in your past, you have been through some dark days. You could come up here and you could stand and you could share your story of what pain and trials and tragedy you went through. And now you're on the other side of it. I want to encourage you today to share your story. To share what God has done in your life and how on the other side of that you can see God's incredible hand in your life. Here's the thing, suffering is inevitable because we live in a broken, evil, suffering world. Suffering and pain and tragedy, they're going to happen. Trials and tribulations are going to come into your life. And let me just say, let me just stop for a moment and just say this. If there's anybody in here that you've ever thought about suicide, if you've ever thought about taking your own life, let me tell you that pain in this life is going to happen. Suffering in this life is going to happen. But know this, no matter who lets you down, no matter what you go through, Jesus Christ loves you and you have a life here on this earth of purpose and a life of meaning. And God wants to use you in incredible ways. So never let suicide be the answer for whatever you go through. But suffering, pain, it's going to happen and I want to encourage you to understand this, to, to, to grasp this so you can share your story. And ultimately, listen, ultimately, fix your eyes on Jesus today. Fix your eyes on Jesus, realizing that whatever we go through in this life, that we have hope on the other side of it. That we have hope in a risen Savior, that we have hope in Jesus I love how Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's what I want to encourage you today. Whatever we go through, fix our eyes on our Savior. Listen, Jesus stepped into this broken world. He stepped into pain himself and suffering himself. It says here that he endured the cross. He despised shame. Jesus went through the pain of this sinful world. And Jesus endured the cross. And so today we can, we can walk forward in whatever tragedy, whatever pain we can go for. I can go and I can say, listen, I have hope in Jesus. I have hope in a risen Savior. I have hope in him. I want to share with you this last story. When we think about like darkest days, when you think about this, if you think about two weeks ago, it was the, one of the darkest days that our country has faced. We had a, a mass shooting in Las Vegas, as you're well aware of. And when you think about evil and darkness and suffering and pain, that is the day. 
two weeks ago. But in the midst of all of that, you saw glimmers of light. You, like you saw stories of rescuing and heroes. And specifically, some of you might have watched it, but I watched this story on 2020 that was just, I just couldn't keep my eyes off it. But it was a story about this girl by the name of Natalia. And Natalia was with her twin sister there at the concert, enjoying the concert, when all of a sudden when the shooting started breaking out, they started uh, running and trying to get out of there. And Natalia took a bullet in the back near the upper part of her shoulder. And so as she, was, uh, as she was going through this, she ran over to a tent, a medical tent, and they started looking at her, and, and this guy by the name of Dean comes over, and Dean was this off-duty firefighter, and he comes over, and he, he stands beside her, and he helps her out. And it shows a video later on where Dean is trying to get her out of there, and he has her propped up in a chair, and he's holding an IV bag, and he's holding it up, and he's standing there with her in this incredible moment in this video. And she is this, you know, perfect stranger. They don't know each other, but he is with her. And she gets on the phone and she calls her dad. And he, he, get, and he, he takes the phone and he says, listen, I want you to know that I'm going to get your daughter through this. I'm going to get her to safety. I'm going to get her to the hospital. And he does exactly that. He gets her out of there. They load into a vehicle. The whole way to the vehicle, he's showing her pictures on his phone of his family and of his, his kids and his wife and trying to get her through that. And he gets to the hospital and she's able to get into a stable condition. Well, they showed this on 2020 a couple days later. I don't know how long it was, but there was a reunion where he comes walking into the hospital room, and she's laying on the bed, and he says, do you remember me? And she just starts tearing up and just crying, and he comes over, and he embraces her, and there's this incredible reunion. And I just, as I was watching this, and I was thinking about this sermon, and on your darkest day, I was thinking about how this was this darkest day, and this hero kind of stepped in, and he rescued her, and he got her all the way there. And then I was thinking about our story. I was thinking about how this world is this dark, evil world, but we have a Savior we have a Savior who stepped in to our situation. Listen, we were, the Bible says we were strangers. We were aliens, it says, that we were, we were these completely strangers from God because of our sin. But God, but Jesus steps into our broken world. And listen, here's what he does with us. He walks with us the entire time. He is with us all the way. And then one day, listen, one day when we get to heaven, we will be able to see face-to-face -face the one who rescued us. An incredible reminder that we have hope. That we have a hope in Jesus Christ who loves you. So no matter what you go through, no matter what tragedy, no matter what trial, listen, if you're in the midst of your darkest day right now, I want to encourage you today with this story. Listen, this is not easy to share, but I want to encourage you today that you have hope in Jesus. As the band comes forward in just a moment, I've asked them, this, this time that we're going to have, it's going to be kind of twofold. Uh, the first time we're going to have, they're going to come up and they're going to sing a song. And they're going to play this song, and I asked them to play this song specifically because this song, as I was 21 years old, sitting on the front row of a church at my mother's funeral, they were playing this song and this song has always, anytime I hear it, I'm at churches, it just, the memories come flooding in. And this song has the most powerful words that I'll, I'm praying that it will speak to you today. And so the beginning of the song says this, in Christ alone, my hope is found. In Christ alone, my hope is found. So during this song, 
I want you to think about these words and what it means. And so no matter what you go through, think about how you have Christ and you have the hope. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Today is we have a time of response. This time will be twofold. The first thing is, during this time, this song, In Christ Alone, here's what I want to encourage you today. If there's somebody in this room, and maybe God has this story specifically for you to hear today because maybe there's someone in this room where you have pushed God away, where you've said, I don't want anything to do with Jesus and this, this God who supposedly loves And so if there's somebody in this room, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never had that hope. I want to encourage you today to respond to Jesus, the fact that Jesus loves you today. And that you don't have to walk through this life alone. You don't have to go through pain and tragedy alone. That you can have the same hope that us as believers in Jesus have. Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.